again, listeners. This is another episode of Filmed in Canada. We're a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee. Thank you for uh, tuning in or downloading or streaming, however you're listening to us. And joining me again is a man who's always a little bit nervy. <laughs> Thank you, William. It's Adam Abrams. That's right. Thanks Thank for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, today we're going to talk about the 1974 film, The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. That's right. Yeah. Now, do you say Duddy Kravitz? I say Duddy. Duddy. Okay. Duddy Kravitz. Duddy Kravitz. All right. But like many uh, you know, Hebrew and Yiddish terms translated into English, there's, there's no one right way to uh, say it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, uh, like I said, 1974, directed by Ted Kocheff, based on the novel and screenplay by Mordecai Richler. Um, who is uh, a, a renowned Montreal writer. Great Canadian writer, one of yeah. the uh, acknowledged greats, mm-hmm. who I have um, not actually read uh, right up front, I should admit. That's right, neither have I. <laughs> uh, but but I think this is one of those movies that's regarded as one of the hallmarks of Canadian cinema. So it is. So I'm glad to be talking to you about that. We uh, we watched this sort of on, on your suggestion. And thank so, you for uh, taking me up on that. Oh, my pleasure. So, uh, so I will uh, defer to you a little bit in this talk to let you lead it. Uh, I, I want to kind of come at it from uh, understanding what it means to you. And I'll be interested to see what it means from your perspective to see right. a different one as well, because I'm so used to my own. Uh... Uh, so a little bit of background. Should um, we synopsize this time around first? We, yeah, maybe just to give people, uh, give people a bit of foundation. For <laughs> if what they're, they're not about. familiar with it. Yeah. Or, uh, so I think it, it takes place in the 50s, right? Yeah, early. I think it's like 1952, but it covers a certain amount of time, but basically early it, 50s. Yeah, it's in Montreal. Uh, Richard Dreyfus plays the uh, title character, Deddy Kravitz. Yep. Um, and he's just or finished... David. Or David. I think his real name is David. Okay. And his grandfather mentions it. Says it Everyone has a nickname in this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, he's just finished high school. He wants to make a name for himself. Um, his his grandfather puts it in his head that a man is nothing without land. That's right. Uh, and so we follow Daddy, I think over the span of a couple of years. I think so. Yeah, but he... Uh, he well, his uncle later falls into ill health, and that's clearly a yeah. cook sometime after the earlier events of the movie. So, yeah. yes. So he's, he, uh, he starts off uh, with, a, with a summer job at, um, at a resort town yeah. in Quebec. One of the classic, like, Jewish resorts that they had then yeah. like the cat skills but you know yeah. canadian cat skills right. and do you have do you have uh, personal uh, knowledge or experience of those types of resorts well not personal knowledge i mean i mean the whole phenomenon was sort of before my time but certainly awareness you know familiarity with that that phenomenon and mm-hmm. how that came ab- came about because you know the, i think a large part of that derived from the anti-semitism that was sort of endemic in that you know time of the century so People had to form their own associations, organizations, as happens a lot, and so, uh, and social uh, structures and opportunities. So the the idea of you know of a resort where Jews were, were welcome because they were often discriminated against elsewhere, led to you know the Catskills in New York, you know, and uh, these kind of places as well in, north of the border. And that's it's a classic kind of that kind of a place where you go and get to have your entertainment and. Know, be there for maybe for the whole summer. Oh, okay. And what about your parents' generation? Would they have um, gone to those sorts? Yeah, of it was definitely something from my parents' generation, mm-hmm. and even even grandparents at this point. More so, actually, no more so. At this point, realistically, more my grandparents' generation because you know, okay. the 40s and the 50s. Is uh-huh. My my mom and dad were just quite little then, but you know, they could easily have gone attended a, a place like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I mean, I I do recall seeing it in, in different types of movies of that period where, yeah. where where people would go to these resorts. Dirty uh, dancing. 
Yes, that one does a lot. Yeah, sure. Not a. Not, is that the Catskills? Actually, I think does that take place. It, it does, doesn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, We're near the the action trauma center of Vancouver, right here, Sirens Galore. Yes, yeah, so we're the heart of the action, but safely removed. But safely, <laughs> not actually in the middle sun, of the action. Sun-drenched <laughs> patio. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I see those types of places in movies. Yeah, making the connection of like what it means for uh, for a particular. Um, it's a real social, yeah. you know, social phenomenon, really. That I mean, people have studied. There was a great website I discovered a few years back where um, some guy uh, came across the, the essentially the ruins of a Catskills resort that was there. Many of these have been were abandoned, uh, you know, when, when their era kind of ended and weren't restored or renovated or anything, so they're kind of just abandoned to the, to the elements of nature. So he had these great photographs of the sort of crumbling Catskills resort and, you know, the you can totally, it's like something out of The Shining in a way, but mm. it's like a Jewish Shining, what can I say? Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, and the bartender says, you, you, you want the pickle with that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and so it was It's kind of fascinating, and they really you know, brought that to life in mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. Well, let's get back to that was written in a, in a bit. Um, so it's, it's, it's there's sort a sidetrack here. Yes. The, the so first stop on yes. uh, on Duddy's journey. He he works as a waiter there. Yes. Um, then falls in love with a French Canadian woman. And uh, together they find, or she shows him the she spot. She shows him the spot. And he has it in his head that he's going to buy this uh, lake and the surrounding areas so he can yeah. set up his own hotel. That's right. And then we'll see him uh, taking on different. He, he becomes an entrepreneur. He does. That's he he's wants. driven to, to do this. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, he's a little cavalier about who he hurts or, you know, pisses yeah. off in order to get this done. So that's part of his, you know, somewhat anti-hero character, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Or yeah. flawed hero. He's one of the more abrasive protagonists. Abrasive. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet somehow still, we still kind of care about him. You know, I mean, he's not, I don't want to say endearing, exactly, but he can no, be. but you, you, you root for him. You root for him. He's a little guy who wants to he's make his name. totally the little guy who, yes, trying to make him big, trying yeah. to be a success. Um, I'm going to step back just a second here. Uh, so the director, Ted Kocheff, he's a friend of the writer, Mordecai Richler. Okay. And there's, um, there's this similarity in their histories. Um, and I wonder if that lends something to the attitude of the movie. Now, uh, so Ted Kocheff is uh, born in Toronto. It is Kocheff? I thought I looked at it and thought it was Kocheff. Kocheff? Kocheff. I might be wrong. It could be Kocheff. Kocheff? Kocheff? It's like, I, I would think, and again, this is my, mm-hmm. in, in no way expert, it's my take on it. Yeah. It looks like Kocheff, like the softy to me, but that, you know what, there's often, that I don't, neither of us know. Neither and of us since know. you spoke first, it's Kocheff from here on in. Let's, let's well, stick we, with we'll that. Oh, well, then. you say your way, I'll say my way. Okay, I, 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 I've you changed say, my mind. That's, you say that's, Kocheff, I'll say Kocheff. Let's get the, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> no, 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 we're no, going to continue. Oh, no, we're no. <laughs> All right, so uh, the director, um, born in Toronto, he's the youngest director at 24 to work at the CBC. Ah, and uh, then he moves to the UK and he works in theater, uh, also works in uh, TV in the UK. Maybe He's also a film director in Australia. Okay. So a far-flung uh, career. Yeah. So he's, he's been around. Yeah. Uh, and then he returns to Canada to make, um, uh, to make this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he also works in Canada later uh, making First Blood. Oh, yes. And uh, he also directs Weekend at Bernie's. So a little, <laughs> a little bit of his um, filmography. I wonder if Weekend at Bernie's is a spiritual connection to Bernie Farber, the little kid who has the uh, bar mitzvah. Ooh, wow. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice connection. Yeah. Different Bernie. Different Bernie. <laughs> but a now, Bernie Mordecai, theme. Mordecai Richler, he's 
born in Montreal, yeah, in 1931. And he spends a lot of time in Europe as well, right? He, okay. he publishes most of his novels uh, from France, I believe. And uh, when he comes back to Canada, um, he's, very, he's very outspoken in, in terms of uh, how he criticizes uh, like the, um, the independent or separatist movement in, in Quebec. Yes. And uh, I, think, I think that causes uh, some controversy. S- some tension. Yeah. But the fact that both of them, I think, made, made their names uh, outside of Canada and right. returned to Canada, I wonder if that uh, lends something to how they are um, self-critical or, yeah. or, or willing to like, examine their society. They, yeah, with that separation, maybe they feel they can critique it from a position of more perspective. They just have a, a little of distance, I Dis- think. Uh, yes. Perhaps that uh, gives them the comfort to, to make that observation. Yeah, that certainly seems like a likely, a likely thing. Oh, don't worry. We're battling an umbrella here. I might have mentioned we're on the fabulous roof deck of my uh, lovely um, Fairview apartment. It is lovely, both the apartment and oh, the thank you. And I think uh, the winds are turning our way right now. The winds of change great. are... Okay, there we go. The movie itself. Yes. Uh, it, the story, um, again, we both of us haven't read the novel, but the attitude that the movie has for its protagonist, I wonder if... It, does it criticize the Jewish community that he grows up oh, in? Oh, absolutely. Does it also criticize uh, Duty's attitude? It's ambivalent. I think it's. I get. A, I mean, it's. He's an ambivalent character because, like you say, we sort of root for him, but he. he yeah, he's very brash and abrasive. Um, it's. It. There's a lot of the Jewish community and the uh, some of the the, the uh, debates and, and ongoing struggles uh, and conversations that happen in the Jewish you know community are, are represented in this. Oh, um, yes. there, there's a lot of underlying themes. Um, the way. Well, one of the characters, the doctor uh, in, in training, uh, uh, Irwin, which is his brother. What's that? Oh no, sorry, not the doctor in training. The the uh, this medical student who's at the camp, uh, Irwin. Uh, oh right. Yeah. He is playing tennis, and he and he's and there's this thing of there's this thread of you know the assimilation versus you know your Jewish identity. I think and the the, the 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 guys he runs into at the camp there at the resort are very much trying to assimilate. They speak differently. They have very polished, you know upper class sort of way presenting themselves and they look down their noses at the completely mm-hmm. so there's this class division and also an idea of at the tennis court uh the the character Irwin he very uh, disparagingly looks at uh, Dodi and you know says he's the kind of character who you know causes anti-semitism with his you know his bowing and scraping and, and hustling and uh and you know to him he represents everything that's about the Jewish you know, identity that uh Maybe we don't we, we, we think less of, um, right? And also that in a way the the cliche of Jewish identity that uh, is discriminated against the how Jews are portrayed as being you know all about money and uh, mm-hmm. trying to make money and uh, and yet here this is what he's doing but he's also he's, he's working very hard and he's hustling and there's nothing you know inherently wrong with that but but there's a it's considered sort of gauche by these upper class uh, guys who aspire to to not be that way and yet money is just as important to them obviously mm-hmm. uh, they're throwing it around in their own way their influence there there but in a different way yeah so it's a little hypocritical of course yes yeah the tension between Duddy and, and Irwin is yeah. that uh, I mean for sure there's a class thing there right? yes yeah is it is it is, is Duddy also supposed to represent like a more like a more traditional um, attitude of, of like young Jewish people or 
I wouldn't so. say that, but a certain kind. He's, he's not a traditionalist. Like he's not a tr no, no. I mean, in a sense, you're, and especially in that era, you know, there's the tradition of you study hard, become a doctor or a lawyer, and please your parents, and that's what his brother is trying to do. Okay. And his brother, of course, runs into uh, into obstacles trying to do that, but he's trying to please his parents, and of course. Diddy is too in his own way. His dad goes on with these stories about the boy wonder who is something else we have to come back to in a mm -hmm. big way. Um, maybe the defining theme of the, of the movie. But uh, he's also trying to please his, his dad, but he's trying to do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. He's trying to really be a success in the eyes of his father, in the eyes of his grandfather. Mm -hmm. So you know, he's driven by these things. But in terms of being a typical, I don't think there was really a typical Jewish you know, character, but he's, he's one kind of personality and you know that kind of approach that there's a the conflict is is a big part of this movie okay adam could you tell me then your introduction to the story like when did you first see this movie uh, yes yeah. happily um it's one of those movies that was on tv uh, a lot uh in when i was a kid so um because when it came out in 74 so i was i was 10 and i wasn't going out to movies but uh by the late 70s it was it was kind of a staple and then was living in toronto or montreal i guess at that, that time probably toronto so I, I have a lot of memory of this movie from, you know, and again, it's one of those things like Meatballs that we talked about the other, in the other episode. Right, which, um, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks you ago. You have scattered, or whenever that was. You'll, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> check, your, check your online listings to see when that was. But again, there were scattered memories of it. And again, because it's been so long, it was obviously a much richer experience this time and getting the whole story. Uh, but the things that, that popped up was like, oh yes, I remember that. I mean, the only thing I really remember was the, 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 uh, the arty uh, bar mitzvah film, of course. Mm. It was always a comedy highlight, I remember that. This, it does, it makes this outrageous film. And uh, and then and the opening sequence, of course, with the, the marching band and the uh, determined uh, 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 band leader who marches forward no matter what right. and no yeah. matter what's in his way yeah I, that's, yeah <laughs> the others don't that's uh, the opening scene i um, is, that's maybe symbolic of something too i think it i think it really sets up how this character is is uh viewing the world a bit differently mm -hmm. um do you want to just describe that scene for us yeah so it's a marching uh band of uh, i'm not sure what the exact uh context is he's it, in his it looked like some school. cadet school cadets right? see yeah. they're dressed as cadets like like look like little like soldiers and they're they're marching through the streets playing their instruments and or uh, I'm not sure where the music is coming from because he's not playing. He, no, he's Kravitz just isn't playing. He's yeah. just marching. But there's a band. They're marching through the streets, and the kids are on the street are watching, stopping, they're playing stickball, and they stop to watch the these guys come through, and some of them come over and try to mock mock them a little bit and and uh, rib them a little. Um, and Dodie is marching in the band, and uh, they reach a point where the uh, captain or the uh, is leading leading them, you know, blows his whistle, and they stop because there's a horse blocking the way. And we, we, we see the horse uh, pooping on the ground there, basically. Down comes the horse manure. And we, we, it's a nice, nice, very clear shot of that, so we don't miss that it's happening. Right yeah, I was, front of him. That's I was, a pleasant uh, shot. I was a little bit shocked. That's that a little shocking, they, even they now. They just went and showed it. Yeah, you don't expect yeah. to actually see it emerging from the horse, but you do <laughs> here. Fair enough. And anyway, so we really know what's going on. And then the, and then the band, uh, the march, uh, marching uh, leader, continues straight through, marches right through the horse manure. And the uh, the uh, soldiers and the cadets and the marching band, they all widen out to go around it as they follow him. So mm -hmm. here's here again is authority and sticking to uh, uh, the rules, and then the people who are just who are bending to duty uh, and everybody. So. Yeah, yeah. And and then and then from that though, you duty 
perhaps takes it to another extreme because he does. He, he's not he's just a content to, to find a path around the the manure. Yes, he just he wants to not even be part of the. He parade. hops right into a, into yeah. a truck and gets out of the out of the parade altogether. Yeah. After blowing up a condom into a balloon. <laughs> what is that symbolic of? Ah, <laughs> uh, just that he's he's just a. Uh, a merry prankster <laughs> yeah. establishes that he's a he's a rebellious guy mm. clearly yes, and for sure uh, yeah so uh, so duty is supposed to be um late teens or 20 he's supposed to be i think 19 because he's not old enough to uh, put his name on the deeds that's right yeah. no that's right which uh, which is important uh, is that for later right is i didn't it? remember that specific detail i know that i mean the reason that he has his girl his french girlfriend buy the land is because the anti-semitism they wouldn't sell to to him uh, but in terms of the legal legality, I think the legality he there's that he too. Couldn't, he couldn't own the land yet. He couldn't like own that. it himself. Yeah. Yet. That's yeah. right. Uh, so why don't we talk about um, the, the the lead character played by Richard Dreyfuss? Yes. Um, so he he takes on this role just after American Graffiti. Oh yeah. And um, uh, reportedly, Richard Dreyfuss was convinced that he that his performance was so bad it would ruin his career. In this, in this, yeah, really. So he he petitioned hard to uh, get the role of uh, Hooper in Jaws, which he had n- initially turned down. Oh, uh, he wanted. He, so he 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 uh, tried hard to secure that job before. Um, he thought that would restore his was, restore, was uh, released to the theaters. His reputation yeah. after this fiasco that he thought this was going to be. Oh, uh, wow! But uh, as it turns out, the New York Film Critics, Critics Circle? Circle voted it like the best what movie Gave, of the year. He tied with Gene Hackman for second place. Uh, for the best acting award, according Ooh. to the the New York Film Critics Circle, um, the winner that year was Jack Nicholson for Chinatown and Blast Detail. So, Tough in good company, very good company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great performance. I mean, it's a fully rounded, believable, unique performance that he. I think in. it is. I think it is, uh, and I think he's not afraid to be sort of unlikable. Yes, in, yes, in which is the scenes. key. You have to yeah. be uh, with a character like this. You yeah. can't hold back, or you won't. You don't believe yeah. him. Even even the laugh that he. Uh, oh yeah, turn out horse laugh. Is, that he is, it's kind of a signature laugh in this. Movie. It is. Yeah. It's a very this braying sort of laugh. <laughs> there were times where I just felt, why can't Duddy be a nicer guy? Yeah. Like even uh, even um, at the resort. Yes. So he gets um, he gets conned into uh, uh, a roulette game. He does by the, the girl who comes yeah. on to him and then wants him to do the roulette. Did he, did he want, did, was he putting up the money for the roulette? Game? I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So he was uh, he was uh, led to believe it'd be uh, uh, easy. easy to to run the game. He puts up his own money. He loses it all because and the yeah. It turns out um, one of the uh, medical student Irwin Irwin is. Yeah, he, rigged he rigged the it's, table. It's his uh, yes, and what I noticed the second viewing, which occurred to me, that's why mm-hmm. I love. It's great to watch a movie like this a second time, or obviously multiple times, because you do. Uh, first of all, I just miss things, and then the second time, it's like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Um, his friend comes over and has clearly been ripped off as well, and says it was your, your roulette rule, wasn't it? But he doesn't expose him. He doesn't. He says it to him, so to tell tell Erwin that he knows his friend. Oh, because he but, was he was playing <clears throat> the other the other guy was playing as well. Was playing as well, and okay. he seemed pretty pissed off. He'd lost money, and he yeah. discovered it was his his roulette wheel. But he doesn't announce it, and he doesn't mm-hmm. shut the whole thing down by saying that not, what publicly. not publicly, not publicly, but yeah. maybe that yeah, I don't know. So in a way, there's still uh, there's still a uh, uh, allegiance, uh, yeah. perhaps, to his group. Yeah, but he does pay it back later, though. Well, it's everyone is forced to pay it back by the other kids, right? They, so they get they they arrange it, yeah, yeah, another way, um, and. What does what does Duddy do? He he takes the money back, but he says something like, oh, 
something like, I hope you learned your lesson. Or something. <laughs> yes, he's very mocking him. He yeah, knows he's so, not learning any lesson that he was just forced to give it back. But he's, yeah, but he won't. Um, like he won't own up to his own fault. No, it's, just, it's it's like uh, you know someone else will learn a lesson from this, and and I deserve this money, even though I lost it in a swindle. I still deserve this money. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> well, and, you know, and then and later on when he goes into like the different business ventures that uh, that yes he, he uh, that Most, he has. Um, Most entertainingly, the bar mitzvah yes. film director. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, making uh, bar mitzvah and wedding films, and then later as like uh, film distribution or something. Uh, film di- yes. Yeah. Um, but he's not so nice to the people who work for him. No. And he gets no. a lot of breaks. Uh, his his girlfriend like um, is, is sort of his conscience as they go along. Yes. But he just is. Uh, and eventually, she finally has had enough. Yeah. By the end. And he's. I, I just wanted I just wanted Duddy to like acknowledge that other people are helping him along, yeah. but he, he won't do that. And it's because he doesn't do that that at the end he's sort of had a, a hollow victory because I recall again I, I misrecalled in remembering this movie that he tries to get the to buy the the, the 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 land around the lake and that ultimately he's like thwarted and you know it, it all falls apart. But in fact, he's pretty successful. And he's he successful. Has, it's he, just... he basically has it, but at the end he has what he wanted, but he doesn't have anybody's respect, mm-hmm. and he's he's. Uh, He's not someone he who anybody admires in any way, and no. it's very clear. And even when he has that victory, his um, own grandfather, you know, yeah, the, rejects yeah, there's, him. There's that because because uh, he he finds out um, the, the secret of, of how he got it. Yes, but to the to the rival bidder for the uh, plot of land, yes, he just shows he shows oh no um, no grace no, no grace whatsoever. He rubs it in. He really wants to. He he's driven to show show how how wrong. How alright he is, and and you know he just wants yeah, to how he's going to be a big man, be a big man, yeah. and he really wants to show up this guy who who he wants to get back at people, you know, yeah. he wants to get like you know, the uh, uh, Dingleman, who is the boy wonder, who we also have to we should talk about the boy wonder concept because right. that's a big overarching theme of this movie is this rivalry with the largely unseen, and then suddenly becomes a direct rival for his uh, land purchase. This character known as the boy wonder, who is dead, uh, cab driver raves about tells these stories about how he builds himself up from from reselling three cent bus uh, tickets uh, uh trolley tickets uh, to eventually you know driving this big car and now he's this big success second ver- second viewing i caught the fact that his fellow cabbies and friends in the cafe are quite dismissive of the boy wonder and one actually says oh you mean the, you mean the gangster which i didn't hear the first time oh, so they okay. yeah i missed that too so they know he's he's not this great shining business success up and up guy he's basically what we see but when we do see him he's a gangster and he's a he's a shady character who has hit has has you know uh, guys you know guarding him and has muscle around and you know everything you associate with uh, an underworld figure and yet he's the competition in in Duddy's mind uh, he's this, this great hero that his father has always held up as being. Yeah, yeah, because it's built up as uh, yeah as someone that his father idolizes. Yeah, the the scene where we first see the father in that uh, in that cafe or whatever. It's yes, the place. and he's telling the story about the boy wonder. Yeah, that was a scene where I thought the writing really felt like it was written, like it was really oh, uh, yeah? unnatural. But I, but at the same time, well, Jack Warden does a great puts it across. Yeah, really but I, well. I think at the same time, it's meant to be like the 
the story that the father has rehearsed a number of times. He's Maybe probably, so. He probably tells the story. He's, all I'm the sure. Time. Yeah, you got this. You get the sense. This is something he has. He would have had to have told many times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it just and loves it, to tell. It uh, it sounded like the kind of story that you uh, that you tell for a stage audience mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than something that you just like off the cuff you tell to your, your friends. friends. Yeah, That's so, true. I suppose um, so. Uh, it's just a, a little thing. Like yeah. That. Um, I noted at the time, but maybe it does make sense for him to, to deliver it that way. And it's it's right off the top. It's it's it shows how it's very important because it's it is it does set up a lot of stuff about the story. That's that's very, very critical. Right all the way down to the to the end when there's a showdown between Billy and the Boy Wonder, and mm-hmm. Billy is the is the is the victor, and 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 not and not a graceful gracious winner at all. No. no. Um, so how do you feel about Duddy as that? Uh, as that hero of this Jewish story. It's interesting because the Jewish uh, aspects of the story are very resonate with me. Yeah. The Montreal aspects resonate with me. I lived, I, not only was I born in Montreal, uh, but I, you know, we lived a lot of different places. But we, we spent a fair, a fair amount of time in Montreal, so I do feel a certain affinity and a connection with Montreal. And uh, the Jewish community there is, you know, has a great history, is very strong. It comes across in the movie really puts it across very well even to little touches like um i noticed uh the grandfather is serving duty uh making tea and it's tea in, in a glass catching that that authentic flavor of little detail of the sort of maybe, i don't know if it's a jewish thing a 50s thing but making a, a pouring your cup of tea not into a teacup or a mug but in a, gla- a glass you know like you'd have water in to me like it's kind of a jewish thing so but they get these little details right so you know all these little things there's a lot of texture of the jewish community in montreal uh, mm-hmm. to it yeah. so it's Canadian, very Canadians very Jewish there's expressions which I don't know not everybody might might know um, a goyesh a cop is uh, something that's, that's said uh, oh uh, Farber the uh, scrap metal guy mm-hmm. who is great by the way isn't he great what a voice that guy what, what a voice he's got such a great low voice oh I can't even do it justice and he's funny and his scene which I just rewatched, where he is uh, Dudi is trying to get Farber to invest in his, his bar mitzvah movie idea to get to get uh, Farber's son Bernie uh, his bar mitzvah recorded by the filmmaker you know and to pay him for this it's such a funny scene and it's just that he just and and the actor uh, just, his name is not at hand right now but he exudes such personality and also that sort of ribbing and it's like you're you know you're lying you're such a liar duty and you know, <laughs> it's just hilarious and rings so true to the way also that i think people and it's certainly in that era and this, these kind of people would relate to each other mm-hmm. this sort of uh, skeptical yet helping you know helping it's like i know you're lying to me but you're my you're your friend and i, I want to help you but I'm going to still kind of work your, day, work your price down, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm also going to help you get over on the other guy. Yeah, it's like they're... Tell them they, I they paid you $2,000. Game that they have it's, it's a yeah. little game, and, it's, and they're both playing it, man. And it's, it's just, it's really wonderful. But he says uh, to one of his French workers who's mixing the, the aluminum and the steel, which he's not, he's not supposed to do, he says, oh, it's a cop, which means like a, a goyish is not, not in the, like a Gentile... You know, non-Jewish, and the cop oh. is the head. He's got a he doesn't have a Jewish head. He has a Gentile head, mm. which is a, which is a bit of like a put down. He's like you know he doesn't really get get things. He's kind of a bit of a dummy. <laughs> He's got a goyish cop. <laughs> and, and what is what is a schnorrer? A schnorrer is somebody. I actually had to look it up. I want I wanted to be more accurate, but it's somebody who uh, 
is trying to gain advantage and get and ask for money or ask for favors and kind of ins insinuate himself for his own gain and, and I think just kind of a beggar or a, oh, okay. you know it has that it's that kind of a thing so somebody who's always got a, a scheme and is trying to make I out from sort of schnorr I forget did someone pejorative. did someone put down Doody using that phrase or um, I don't at recall. the end he says that at the end, he says that to um, yeah. uh, the boy Wonder. Yes. He says, uh, oh. "Come over on Schnorr." It's a very negative term. It's a very pejorative term. So he was he was it was a put down for sure. Uh. It's a big put down of the of the boy Wonder. And the boy Wonder is like the doppelganger in a sense, or he's the what would you call him in this movie? Because he's referred to, he's built up at a distance, and then you know then we see him. He becomes a player in the film, and at the end, but he triumphs over him. There's even a song about him. Which is funny. For a moment, as they're dancing in the resort, and the big band is playing, and they mm -hmm. sing, he sings, "The Wonder Boy, his heart he will just he will destroy." And there's oh, a few oh. lyrics about there's a sort of '40s style ballad called "The Wonder Boy" that they're singing. Oh, okay. Yes, and to which my mom, who overheard it, uh, said, "Oh, those are the old songs. I love those old songs." Of course, it's not actually an old song. It's just, a, but it sounds like one. <laughs> Another notable performance is that of Virgil by Randy Quaid. Note that for sure. Yes, it's a, another early one of his early performances. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was. His, I don't know what predates this, but uh, yeah. he makes a big impression as a, and a very opposite character to Duddy. I mean, he's a complete mm -hmm. innocent. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, looks like he's some Midwest kid, Midwest farm boy he type meets of guy some, uh, on a on a train. On the and, train, he has uh, these pinball machines. And again, Duddy is again always looking for an angle to make some money. Yeah. So he tosses off that he has these pinball machines he can't use because of the because of the state law or something, and so he says, "Oh, I'll buy them off of you," and and that, this becomes a big part of the last part of the movie. It's a real defining. Yeah, how does uh, yeah how does Diddy um, like exploit this yes, kind of naive kid, which he does, yeah. who also has um, shall we say um, uh, a handicap? He yes, he's yeah. uh, uh, um, he's epileptic. Epileptic, um, and and there's a scene where he. Uh, where Virgil explains how it's hard for people like him. Yes, um, there's no groups for people like us. <laughs> yeah. There must be now. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it did make me wonder, like, was at the time that the story was written, yes. I wonder if that was a group that was, um, you know, ignored or marginalized. Oh, I don't know. By the 70s, uh, you know, one imagines it was changing. But still, it was probably a slow process. I don't know. Yeah. But certainly at the time of that it takes place, no, yeah. it, was, it was it was difficult. And... Uh, you know, so yeah, this becomes a this becomes a tipping point for Duddy in terms of his relationship with the vet, which really and, and her character is is even more clearly defined as you know as being you know more noble and, and doing the right thing. She's take she winds up taking care of him after he gets in an accident because he's driving the truck and he shouldn't drive the truck mm -hmm. and he gets in an accident and he's paralyzed. So it's it's quite dramatic. And then the vet's taking care of him. And well, that's where I think the movie is a little bit hard to follow in that last third because I think it, a lot of things happen suddenly it's probably it's again it's also probably the case with a book into a movie they, mm. they try to cover a lot of plot but uh, yeah. uh, because at, aren't always at, there. at first it went for a lot um, also uh, Duddy's uncle dies at one point off screen yes he, he gets ill he's ill he, he has a last conversation with him but he dies off screen he does and at some point Duddy inherits his house I think oh that it, could be it didn't seem it, I didn't yeah, catch for me that. it wasn't so clear and Virgil may have moved into the house with him. That's right. Yeah, and then well, he was since he was visiting when he goes to see them. Well, no, actually, no. Earlier on, they are together in the house, and yeah. then later he comes back because he's telling he's not he's left. But right. but she's still in the house. Uh, yeah, yeah the, 
I guess these are the kind of things that sometimes bother me in retrospect or at the time, and but often I, I also just gloss over them, and I mm-hmm. later people point out, and I, it's true, well, wow, I don't really have an answer to that. That's, that, is, that is odd. Mm-hmm. But, but in this case, it was, it, I guess it wasn't maybe that germane to the, the emotional you know, truth of what was, what was happening in this sure, arc no, that he's I, going I on. It, but it is interesting. I don't think it changes not where clear. we get to. It doesn't yeah. change where we get to. It's just uh, details in the history yes. are a bit sketchy. Yes. Uh, we'll get toward the, uh, toward the conclusion. You asked me what did I think the title referred to. Yes, what is the apprenticeship exactly? And I've, it never occurred to me until I was preparing for this podcast to but think now you through that deeply. Well, possibly, but I'm curious what you think. Okay. I asked you first. <laughs> I asked you first. Okay. Well, apprenticeship... Um, I, it makes it sound like he is sort of under the guidance of someone. Yeah, else. learning at the feet of somebody right. wiser and more experienced. Yeah. and certainly he's he's like on a path to uh, to, to something. So yes. um, is he is is he an apprentice to himself as an entrepreneur? Is he, he is kind he of just learning? Yeah, yeah. Is he just learning to um, be ruthless? Uh, I guess I guess you. I'm I'm tempted to say that he unwittingly is the apprentice to the boy wonder because that's who he's modeled himself after yes yeah. or, or his apprentice yes that's right it's the stories of the boy wonder and indeed the the the, the shenanigans that he got up to to uh, to make money and uh, this is as as he tells his dad when he's disillusioned and tries to meet it has been told that his dad has made an appointment for him to meet the boy wonder but in fact there was not apparently any awareness of a meeting at all, and he was trying to just hire him as a, as a busboy. Uh, it had built up in his mind, and I think, the, in a sense, yeah, perhaps that apprenticeship is was a, a connection he felt he, he was aspiring to be the boy wonder in his in his father's eyes, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, he 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 bested the boy wonder in the end. And, uh, yeah. But for what, you know, to what to what gain? himself really to lose to lose his soul perhaps and, and gain the, the land around the lake mm-hmm. even his his zeta and again the zeta seeing hearing you know turns like you know zeta uh reminds me of my grandfather my zeta in montreal also in montreal who was also a gardener mm-hmm. he had a big garden in the back of his house yeah and rows and rows of you know cabbage and zucchini and stuff yeah really big he was from russia so um so a lot of the, some of these, some of this discussion, I guess, really applies to essentially to the to the uh, to the book and to the story, as much as to to the movie. I don't know if we, we want to cover more cinematic aspects of the film itself. I sort of have a comment anything? about yeah. the but the visual look of it, and I don't know if it was a fault of uh, the transfer that we watched. Um, I watched it on DVD. It was um, a bad four yeah. three transfer. For, yeah, for starters, it's the wrong uh, yeah. frame size. So it, it's overdue for a, a remastering. Oh God, yes. Especially if it's like one of the yeah. Of I mean, cinema. hello, yeah, exactly. It should have the best uh, <laughs> transfer. Um, Even though the, it's Canadian, it should still have a good <laughs> transfer. <laughs> the look of it reminded me of old serials on on the BBC. Yes. Where things kind of have a dull look, they have mm. a, but they also look very, very kind of lived in and yes. uh, not so tidy. Gr- gritty yeah. and sort of, yes, that's yeah. true. So it certainly added to that feeling of authenticity, like you're, like they put a camera on a, on the street of a poor neighborhood and they did In 1952. Scene. Yeah. It does um, have that feel to it. So uh, I guess that that quality lent itself well to, yeah. to the movie, but um, just my initial um, like visceral reaction to it was it seemed, it seemed old and it seemed uh, sort yeah. of uh, unpolished. Right, right. Um, and I wonder. I wonder if that's just uh, uh, a character of the of the transfer we saw. But, 
it could be a it could be it could be a, uh, an aspect of the you know the perhaps a lower budget a film that it, that, it, that right. they had to work with and yeah, the filmmaking was, techniques they were had access to at the time yeah it was made for under um, how much under a million oh okay which um, even in 74 is it's tough probably yeah, well, a million really was pretty big budget in '74, so under that, you know. Well, it's certainly still a low budget movie. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I I think I could do a lot with a million, but maybe not make a movie. <laughs> um, and also, uh, uh, Ted Kotcheff. Yeah. Um, having worked in the UK, probably. Oh has, yes, he, he probably absorbed he probably some of those te- adopted that style. techniques, yeah. style, and filmmaking. Uh, um, yeah, techniques to make the most out of his yeah. his budget as well. I also would like to see a better transfer because often movies are transformed by a really proper transfer and they often live for many years on dvd and what is really a subpar you know uh, it's almost almost like an entirely different movie once you see it uh you know the the source material as it was intended to be so uh, let's hope we get that uh criterion version (laughs) soon hopefully yeah uh nonetheless then they can put our podcast on the the extras (laughs) as the extra yeah sure uh we welcome licensing (laughs) opportunities call us email us (laughs) Um, but still, I would um, I would recommend uh, people watching it. Uh, I, I think it's it's a small thing to put up with the uh, the poor transfer. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah so. but it didn't didn't uh, really bother me. And, and I mean, as I was watching it the second time, it's it's a very engaging movie. I mean, it really mm-hmm. pulls you right in. I could happily have watched the whole thing. Yeah. Again, a second time. It's it's like another um, variation on those uh, coming of age stories, or, mm-hmm. or like the Graduate. Yeah. Even the Graduate that was a little bit cynical. But, yes. Yeah. Oh yes. So it's. I, I mean, it's, it's interesting to look back on those movies. Uh, not that we're a bit older, um, those uh, those the steps into adulthood. Yeah. They they tend to be um, um, in a lot of those stories. The protagonist doesn't yeah. have it so easy. It's not it's not a clear path. No. And so as uh, as in life. That's right. So they're, they're truthful in that yeah. in that sense. Which is what also makes it the most satisfying um, in a sense. You can relate to it as reality. Yeah. Well, uh, let's wrap it up. Okay. Then, uh, our talk about the apprenticeship of Dirty Kravitz. Um, Fine Canadian film, one of the one of the best, really. It is uh, deservedly so. Uh, we'll uh, quickly go to our recurring segments where we uh, we sum up these these movies. Uh, what makes this particularly Canadian for you? Ah, well, it's easy to probably answer that one. It's got the Montreal setting, mm-hmm. uh, references to many places in Quebec and in Montreal and in environs, and terms of the geography. Um, and that, that that's really a big part of it, I yeah. guess. It's unabashedly, you know, Montreal right. is not trying to... And I'm thinking, you know, as a U.S. audience watching this, it would be very interesting. It would be like a, like watching something that takes place in, you know, in Paris or in, you mm. know, Europe or something, I guess, because yeah. it has this authentic Montreal quality. They don't try to somehow dial that down or anything. Yeah. The cross that's on Mont-Royal, uh, is that, yes. is that uh, the most prominent feature of oh, yeah, it's the very Montreal prominent. skyline? I don't know if it's the most prominent, but it, it's, it's, it's one of the landmarks of Montreal. Yeah, is yeah the so that shows up, up in the background yeah. in many, uh, many shots. I guess it does, yes. There's yeah. Now, the, the neighborhoods that this was shot in, were they, uh, when you were in Montreal, growing up in Montreal, were, were these neighborhoods still in existence? Or? Oh, they, they were, and I'm sure, and I think many of them still still are. I didn't really grow up necessarily in, um, in the, particularly these kind of uh, neighborhoods of Montreal. Uh, and we had, we lived in you know like houses, not maybe a little apartment apartment building like like Duddy and his family live in. But um, but it was very familiar to me certainly, and the whole just the whole atmosphere it was very familiar. Uh, we shall also uh, turn to our arbitrary and made up scoring system. Uh, oh, oh, oh I can back up and say there is a reference to the film National Film Board. 
that's a very Canadian thing. It is very Canadian. Uh, do the, we operate? The director, the South director, who's uh, and, another, and another, again, what a great scene of Duddy trying to convince the director to do this thing for him to make these movies, and they are both overselling themselves. So <laughs> obviously, he is not just a nineteen-year-old kid who has a crazy idea. He's he's an experienced guy and he's you know and, and he's really building himself up and he's got two orders already and he's just lying about all this stuff and the director is kind of a washed up drunk who has made a couple some documentaries for a you know um, uh, corporate films right. and is not a great classic director although he knows his Hollywood history but he's 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 not really that accomplished and uh, in terms of his career but he's he's definitely saying how how uh, uh, how interested everyone is in the other and, and he said he came over here at the behest of your national film board he said to, uh, right. to, yes. to, uh, they want to hire me they're, they're very keen to hire me they're mad keen to hire me I believe is, what is the phrase he says <laughs> <laughs> oh, and interesting to see Daniel Melliot yes because, who, who we know him from Raiders of the, Raiders of the Lost Ark Indy, I don't think you should go down that ca- into that cave. It's it's been very dangerous uh, so interesting another another phenomenon of having of when you you get enough years under your belt and then you watch a movie you watched before is suddenly there's new people in it <laughs> there, there's this guy who you know totally from something else but didn't think of him at the time because he was just the guy in the story at the time now he's this oh I, he's this other guy and he's this actor who's done all these other things and mm-hmm. it's almost like they've almost been inserted into the, to the movie and you're i find in my mind it's like damn Elliot. so it's again another little little treat out of watching uh you know, older movies yeah, I, I like uh, I like seeing those character actors that you yes. know from one or two movies, yes. and then you see like, well, they've actually had a career. Yeah, and you can career in a lot of exactly movies. you can always start to seek them out sometimes. And he is great. I mean, he is he is, he was a great. He's very enjoyable in this movie. Pre- yeah. Great presence, very yeah. funny. Yeah, and I like the scene that he has with Yvette when when Daddy when Daddy steps away from the yes. dinner table. Yes, because it just it's like he 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 says something to Yvette that's true about. Yes. His character. Yes. But then he also has to insert like his own interests into it. <laughs> he does always, always. <laughs> and he's and again he's also one of these characters who is is sympathetic and he, he, there's there's uh, he's not he's not just a caricature. He, yeah. He's 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 a bit of a caricature, but there's there's some human humanity to him and uh, yeah. you feel for him. Um, uh, the ratings. Pick a number. I would say I got to give this one four and a half bagels out of five. Wow. Okay. Can we do a bagel system on this one? Well, it does. Fairmount uh, bagel. Well, we adopted the leaf system because we thought it was uh, identifiably Canadian. true. But we should probably bagels, stick to I that. Suppose, bagels, I suppose, are yes. are a good equivalent. Yes. Well, especially in this case, Canadian. I'll, very... I'll, so I'll allow it. Oh, well, I'm I'm really honored that you would make such okay. an adjustment so to your for, rigorous your rigorous yes. system. Yeah. So I I I'd, I'd award it for uh, maple flavored bagels. Actually, I would say a I would say a baker's dozen of thirteen bagels. Wow. Great. Um, Fresh out of the oven a bit, out of the, out of the, out of the wood-fired oven at Fairmount. <laughs> Which, by the way, you can't get it. You really cannot get a bagel that tastes the same as one that you get fresh out of the wood-fired oven in Montreal. I don't know what it is, but when I was there years ago and I had one there, it was so delicious and had such unique texture and flavor coming out of the oven and warm. And, and I've had bagels here. Not Nothing against our local purveyors of bagels who are deliver a fine product. But there's something about maybe the um, uh, atmospheric pressure, the geography. I don't know what it is. Oh. It's sort of like wine, you know. You get wine from a from wine tastes a certain well, way. From a certain I uh, I've yet to be won over by bagels, so go to Montreal. Go to Montreal, yeah. and then you will be a you'll uh, be a disciple. Uh, you'll be converted. <laughs> Guarantee it. All right. Well, I hope you join me again for another talk, and hope what? listeners will tune in again. We'll talk about more Canadian movies. Um, our website is filmedincanada.net. 
our email address is filmedincanada at gmail.com. Uh, there you go. Send us your comments, uh, feedback, suggestions, or just to say hi. That's really great, too. And that's it for now. All right. Thank you.